Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm Rev. Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church Disciples of Christ in Anniston, Alabama, and I am really glad you're here. During this whole coronavirus fiasco, this podcast has been expanded into a full worship service for First Christian Church, and I hope that you'll stay to worship with us as well. If you've never heard of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, we are a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. We are believers in and followers of Jesus the Christ, and we feel called to be unified with all Christians because we all believe Jesus is the Son of the living God. Therefore, all of you are welcome to join in this service, and I hope that you will also participate in the celebration of the Lord's Supper following the sermon. In fact, if you haven't already, why don't you go ahead and pause this recording so you can gather the elements of communion, bread or crackers, juice or wine, or whatever you have, and light a candle to remind you that the light of Christ is with you always, even in the darkest of times. Now let us worship. Today we worship in the fellowship of the saints and the breaking of the bread. And while the living saints cannot fellowship in person, we are connected by the fellowship of the angels in our midst, loving us, celebrating with us, grieving with us, and worshiping with us. We are bound and united in the body of Christ and in the sharing of the communion meal, the Lord's Supper. Let us worship today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now let us sing together, O Worship the King.
whatever way feels natural to you as you worship there in your home, spread the peace to those you know and love. Call, text, email, put a note in someone's mailbox, FaceTime them, whatever, however you do it, I invite you now to welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God. Let us pass the peace of Christ. Today's scripture comes from Luke 24, verses 13 through 25. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? And he asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So we went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Word of God 
for the people of God. Thanks be to God. guys how are you welcome back to worship and to children's worship and everything i'm so glad to see you guys here now today we're going to do an imagination game can you do that with me okay first of all i want you to stand up and close your eyes and i want you to imagine that you are walking with your friend down a long road Okay, what do you think you're talking about? You're just walking along this road and you are, I don't know, its you're walking forever, right? And it's probably hot and you're just chit-chatting with your friend and this is probably your best friend. So what do you think you might be talking about with your friend if you were doing that? You think maybe you're like pointing out birds and flowers that you see or talking about what you had for dinner last night? Anyway, one of the things that's happened is that Jesus, who you really, really love, has died. And so you're really sad. So you're probably talking with your friend about that, too, because you both love Jesus a lot. And so you're walking down this road. But Jesus isn't just dead. You think maybe he may have come back to life, but you don't know yet for sure. So you're probably talking about that with your friend, too. Oh, my gosh. Jesus might have come back from the dead. He might be with us. He might be around here somewhere. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so now imagine that a stranger, another kid your age, comes up and starts walking with you. So are you nice to this person, to this stranger? Do you invite them to walk with you? Do you fill him in on what you've been talking about? Like, do you, so that, so that he feels included and you say, oh, hi. Yeah. Okay. So what we were just talking about is this Jesus guy who we really, really love. And we were so sad because we thought he had died, but then, oh my gosh, I think we, some people said that maybe they, he, he's back to life, but we don't really know yet. So this friend, this new kid, right? This new kid that's walking apparently knows more than you do. And so he was like, well, let, let me tell you what I know. And he starts filling you in. And the whole time he's talking, you would, you just can't stop listening to him. You can't, like everything he says is the most interesting thing you've ever heard in your entire life. And your heart's kind of racing a little bit and you're getting like really excited listening to this stranger, but you can't figure out why. So can you picture that? Can you imagine what you would, what that might be like? Anyway, so by the time this kid is done talking, you have decided that he is the coolest guy on the planet and you just want to hang out with him all the time, right? So it's dinner time and you're getting ready to go 
to your house and he's getting ready to go off to his house and you say, hey, come eat dinner with us. And he was like, are you sure? And you're like, yeah. So he goes with you to your house. And then he takes the bread. And you're Jewish. Imagine, you know, if you're Jewish, then it's normal and common for for the, the person who is the head of the household to take the bread and to break it and to say a prayer over it and to share it with the different people. Um, this might sound a little bit like communion, don't you think? And this was something that the Jewish people did at the beginning of their meals. So this kid, he does it instead. He sits down at your table and he picks up the bread and he breaks it and he blesses it. And you're like, what? It's Jesus. And all of a sudden he changes and you could see his face for the first time. Really? What are you thinking at this very moment? What do you think that's like? I mean, is it crazy? Are you shocked? And then guess what happens? He disappears immediately as soon as you recognize him. That, my kid friends, is what they call a miracle. So what would you do if that happened to you? Would you just like go in your living room and start watching TV? You think maybe you might get on the phone and call your friends? Uh-huh. Well, what if you didn't have a phone? You think you'd still just sit down and watch TV or read a book? No. Well, I wouldn't. I would probably run back all the way back down that long dirt road and go all the way back to my friends in the city that I had just left a while ago and tell them what. That's right. We saw Jesus. And we knew it was Jesus as soon as he broke the bread and then he disappeared. That's what happened to the people in our story. And it's really important when we're reading the Bible that we try and imagine what it would be like if we were in that story, if that was happening to us, because we would have a much better idea and a much better, it would be much easier for us to understand the Bible if we could start imagining that we were the ones in that story and what that would have been like for us if we were living it. Will you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for raising him from the dead. Thank you for letting him walk with us wherever we go. Please let us be able to see him every time he is with us. Amen. Please join me in the prayer of confession. 
Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Hear us now as we silently confess our sins. Isaiah forty three twenty five says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. We are forgiven. Glory be to God the Almighty. Amen. start our pastoral prayer we have some prayer requests so if you want to write these down so you can be praying for these all week um, that would be a good way for you to participate in the prayers of the church our first prayer request is from Tara and Matthew they're asking for prayers for Matthew's brother-in-law Dana who works as a nurse in a nursing home in Ohio they've had several cases confirmed since this has all started well Dana's test came back positive today. As we know, nurses are the hardest hit because of constant exposure. So they're testing Matt's sister and their three young children today. So please keep them in your prayers. Cami um, has finished her finals and she did well on both of them. She's still got one final assignment due tomorrow. So she's a pre she would appreciate our prayers for that. Mariana would like to give thanks for blessing her. For, thanks to God for blessing her with another birthday. So Feliz Complien... Okay, I'm going to mess this up. Feliz Complienos, Mariana. Feliz Complienos. Prayers for Donald as he has injured the muscles in one arm and he is black and blue from his wrist to his shoulder. He's not complaining about the pain, but it really looks terribly pain painful. So please pray for quick healing. Anyone who knew her is terribly sad today because Betty Carr passed away at the age of 95 on Friday. She was a pillar in Anniston and loved by so many. It is impossible to express the amount of love and appreciation people had for Betty. So please be in prayer for all of her family and friends who are going to miss her so much. Julie is asking for prayers for Katrina, a teacher at Olivia's school. She just lost her son, Stuart. 
so we'll be lighting a candle for Betty and for Stuart today. She is also asking for, for prayers for all of the people in the world suddenly dealing with economic uncertainties and for those with mental health struggles exacerbated by the pandemic. I know my anxiety has been really high lately. Um, this is just such an unusual and strange and bizarre time in our lives, and um, it can really affect even those who don't have any mental illness can make you start feeling like maybe you do. Um, a lot of us are probably experiencing extreme grief right now um, and different phases of grief. And, and as time goes on, we seem to be losing different things. Um, some teachers in North Carolina just found out that schools will be closed for the rest of the year. And they're grieving the fact that they will not get to see their students again this year. So please pray for everyone who's struggling psychologically and emotionally with all of this. Anne would like us to pray for all of the people currently suffering from the COVID virus and also for all the people in our midst who are currently homeless. Homeless people are always the most vulnerable people in our world, and they are more vulnerable today than they have ever been in our lifetime. Remember that we have a food box that we keep stocked for people to come by and get food at the church during this pandemic, and people are being very courteous and only taking what they need, so I feel really good about asking for continued donations for non-perishable food items. Things like canned meats with pop-top lids, of course they don't have can openers, fruit cups, protein bars, bottled water, that sort of thing. Also toiletries like toilet paper and hand sanitizer are very much a necessity if you can get your hands on either of those items. Beth Thomason, former pastor of Madison Christian Church, she's getting ready to go to another church in our region, um, but I'm not sure if it's been announced yet, so I will not say it here. Um, but she fell off a ladder about a month ago and broke both legs and her arm, and she has been in... Um, doing rehabilitation ever since. Well, she just yesterday has been was given the green light to start walking again. She says she is really slow, but she is out of the boots, which is a blessing. Nikki is asking for prayers for all who have damage to their bodies, their loved ones, or their property from all the terrible storms we've had recently. Amen. My sister has asked for continued prayers for her college roommate and sorority sister, who has an autoimmune disease that is attacking her whole body. She's really depressed because she just recently had to shave off all of her hair because it had started falling out. It's just one more thing that she's lost to this disease. And so let's keep Nikki in our prayers. Let's also remember our shut-ins, Leela, Lois, and Kay, and our members who are living in nursing homes right now, Jim and James. And we pray for our members who are currently serving in the military, Three from one family, Nikki, Hunter, and Drake. And we also pray for Jeff, who is serving here in town in the reserves, in the Army. We also lift up all of our soldiers serving here and around the world. May God keep them safe. So one of the traditions that we have at First Christian Church, a tradition that I brought with me from First Christian in Florence, is that we light candles for those who have passed. Today we'll be lighting three candles. Today we light this candle with gratitude to God for the life of Betty Carr. 
And we light this candle today with gratitude to God for the life of Stuart Chandler. And then we light this larger candle today in memory of the 200,000 plus people who have lost their lives to the coronavirus so far. May God have mercy on all of us. Amen. Let us pray. God of all peace, God of comfort and love and grace, we come to you this day tired. We're tired, Lord. Tired of sitting in our homes all day. Tired of working long hours, some of us. Tired of worrying and being afraid of everyone we meet on the streets. Lord, we're tired of not being able to see our loved ones. Not being able to hug people. Not being able to worship together in your sanctuary. Lord, we're tired. And so we ask you to be with us this day, this April 26th. We see no end in sight for this coronavirus situation. And even if they lift all of our restrictions, then there's concerns that it will come back. And so, God, we ask that you be with us through all of it. Give us strength. Give us peace of mind. Give us patience for our loved ones and our family members. Give us courage to face each day with a positive outlook. We ask for healing for those who are sick, Lord. And we ask for comfort for those who cannot be with their loved ones who are sick, especially for those who are in the hospital. And for those who are sick with the coronavirus, God, we ask that you have mercy on them and that you bless them with healing, perfect healing. Please don't let them die from this. God, for parents whose children are in the hospital who can't be with their kids, whose whose family members have passed and they can't grieve properly with a proper funeral, for people who are totally upended because they can't respond to life situations the way they have always responded before. Lord, we ask that you be with everyone, that you hold us up, that you hold us tight, that you allow us to cry on your shoulder when we need to, and that you give us the ability to find joy even in the midst of sorrow Joy in the midst of disconcertion and fear. Joy and love, God, fill our lives with love. We ask that you be with those who are alone in their homes, who don't have family members. God, be with us all that we might reach out to one another. Let us not forget each other. Let us not forget the ones who are home alone. 
Let us not forget the ones who need us the most. And we ask that you be with those people who are trapped in their homes with an abuser. We ask for a miracle for them, Lord, to release them and to save them. If possible, heal their abuser. If not possible, give them a way out. Lord, we pray for the children who don't have enough to eat because they're not in school. We ask that you fill their bellies with nourishing food and their families' bellies as well. And Lord, we ask that you be with all of the people around the world. This is the first time in my life that I know that I am in a very similar situation to people on the other side of the globe, in other hemispheres, on the other side of the equator. God, we live with a similar fear. And so I ask that you help us to draw close to our neighbors and to feel close to them and to recognize that we are all one in humanity. Immigrants, legal residents, foreigners, whoever we are, whatever language we speak, whatever color our skin is, help us, Lord, to see how connected we are to every human being on this earth. If something good can come of this virus, Lord, let the human race find peace among ourselves and that we might find love and appreciation and unity in our own humanity. Please be with our leaders, with our political leaders. May they be wise, selfless, humble, and loving of their people. And for the religious leaders, Lord, may they be wise, selfless, humble, and loving of the people that we lead. Hear us now as we pray the prayer your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Let us pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. On Sunday afternoon, the day of the resurrection, Cleopas and the other disciple met the risen Jesus on the road to Emmaus, but they didn't know it was Jesus. They were emotional and confused about what had happened to Jesus, and they were talking about the crucifixion and possible resurrection. But they did not know that it was Jesus who walked with them. And then Jesus began to explain to them all of the prophetic scriptures, starting with Moses, that were about him. And as he talked, they walked along, and the men listened, with their hearts burning within them. But they still did not know it was Jesus. Then when they reached the village, they invited Jesus to come and stay the night with them, and so he did. And they still did not know that it was Jesus. And then when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed, and broke it and gave it to them. And then the Holy Spirit came upon them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Jesus had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So, what do people mean when they say break bread? Are they always talking about the Lord's Supper, where we break a loaf of bread in half and say, this is my body broken for you? Or does it mean something else at other times? Does it even mean that we're breaking bread literally? Well, I usually say it in reference to a time of fellowship among friends. Come on, let's go break bread together. I know it's kind of old-fashioned, but it says so much more than, let's eat. So breaking bread is when we sit around a table and when we share a common meal and when we share our thoughts, when we talk about our day, when we get to know each other, when barriers are brought down, when bridges are built, and when the Holy Spirit is present in our midst. When I think of breaking bread, I remember cookouts with my seminary friends on a Friday evening after a long week of hard work. There was only one grill in the whole apartment complex, so everyone would bring the meat they wanted to grill over to the apartment that happened to have the grill that day. Everyone would bring something to share, side dishes, bread, something to drink, ice, and would we would sit back, relax, talk about all the things we had learned that week, debate the ideas that had been presented to us, and we grew close to each other over the making and eating of that meal. Those weren't just dinners. They weren't just opportunities to fill our empty stomachs. They were the moments when all of the information about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit that had been given to us that week became a part of us. It transformed from mere words on a page to true and honest revelation from God. Those weren't just cookouts. They were spiritual moments when we were able to rest in the presence of God among friends and colleagues, and Christ became known in the breaking of the bread. I have other fond memories of going to get coffee with Carl Gebhardt, my pastor and mentor at First Christian Church in Florence, Alabama. Some of you listening have met him. Some of you know him very well. Anyway, my favorite time of the week when I was working in Florence was when Carl and I could get away from the church for an hour or so to go down to the local coffee shop. We would order a cup of coffee, or in my case, a mocha with whipped cream. 
We would each get a muffin or a cookie or some other kind of thing that we weren't supposed to be eating, and we would sit down to break bread, to talk, to reflect on what was going on in the church or in our families or with our friends. Often, a friend or two would join us, and then the breaking of the bread became that much more special, because with each person came more to talk about, with each person came another delicious treat at the table, and with each person the Holy Spirit became a larger and more tangible presence in the room, and Jesus became known in the breaking of the bread. Our scripture says that when two, the two disciples invited Jesus to come and stay with them that night, they went and sat down to eat. But instead of the head of the household breaking the bread and saying the blessing, Jesus did. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead of as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. It's important for us to recognize that Jesus did not force himself on them, but when invited, the guest became the host. The words that he spoke are familiar words of the Eucharistic celebration, but the meal is an ordinary meal, not a communion service. As in Acts, the boundary between ordinary meals and the Eucharist grows thin, and every meal can point to the risen Christ. Throughout history, that hasn't changed one bit. Meals are sacred moments shared between people and the Holy Spirit, and I think that this is the reason why ongoing research shows that there are numerous benefits from family meals. One report says this, The Council of Economic Advisors to the President reported, The largest federally funded study of American teenagers found a strong association between regular family meals, five or more dinners per week with a parent, and academic success, psychological adjustment, and lower rates of alcohol use, drug use, early sexual behavior, and suicidal risks. Other studies followed that family meals increased the likelihood that children would grow up with a better balanced diet, better health, and lower chances of childhood obesities. So when we sit down to a sacred meal, and every meal shared with family, friends, and even strangers is sacred, when we sit down to a sacred meal, we are inviting the Holy Spirit into our midst, and we are asking that God be revealed to us in the breaking of the bread. These meals are transformative. We can read scripture all day long. We can study the theologians. We can think about God and ponder God's great creation all day long. But it isn't until we are in the presence of others when the Holy Spirit finally joins us. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be also. Isn't that what the scripture says? So there's a wonderful story by Isaac Dennison called Babette's Feast about a strict, dour, fundamentalist community in Denmark. Babette works as a cook for two elderly sisters who have no idea that she once was the chef to nobility back in her native France. Babette's dream 
is to return to her beloved home city of Paris, so every year she buys a lottery ticket in hopes of winning enough money to return. And every night her austere employers demand that she cook the same dreary meal, boiled fish and potatoes, because they say, Jesus commanded, take no thought of food and drink. Isn't that sad? One day, the unbelievable happens. Babette wins the lottery. The prize is 10,000 francs, a small fortune. And because the anniversary of the founding of the community is approaching, Babette asks if she might prepare a French dinner with all the trimmings for the entire village. At first, the townspeople refuse. No, it would be a sin to indulge in such rich food. But Babette begs them, and finally they relent. As a favor to you, we will allow you to serve us this French dinner. But the people secretly vow not to enjoy the feast, and instead to occupy their minds with spiritual things, believing God will not blame them for eating this sinful meal as long as they do not enjoy it. Well, Babette begins her preparations. Caravans of exotic food arrive in the village, along with cages of quail and barrels of fine wine. Finally, the big day comes and the village gathers. The first course is an exquisite turtle soup. The diners force it down without enjoyment. But although they usually eat in silence, conversation begins to take off. Then comes the wine. Vouve Clicquot, 1860, the finest vintage in France. And the atmosphere changes. Someone smiles. Someone else giggles. An arm comes up and drapes over a shoulder. Someone is heard to say, After all, did not the Lord Jesus say, Love one another? By the time the main entree of quail arrives, those austere, pleasure-fearing people are giggling and laughing and slurping and guffawing and praising God for their many years together. This pack of Pharisees is transformed into a loving community through the gift of a meal. One of the two sisters goes into the kitchen to thank Babette, saying, Oh, how we will miss you when you return to Paris. And Babette replies, I will not be returning to Paris because I have no money. I spent it all on the feast. Can you think of anyone else who gave his all to make us a loving community through the gift of a meal? Well, in an ideal world, we would gather with friends or family often to break bread and invite the Spirit of God into that communal meal. But we are currently living in anything but an ideal world. Many of you listening are sitting in your homes alone, and you have been alone for weeks now. We are not able to eat and fellowship around a table together, and we are not able to grow closer right now in the breaking of the bread. And even for those who have family at home with you, there are so many people you would give anything to have dinner with tonight. It's grief-inducing and harder than any of us could have imagined until it happened. The fact that our fellowship has been taken away from us shows us just how incredibly vital it is for our spiritual health and our emotional and psychological health as well. So what do we do until we can get together again? Well, I'm sure that there are many people out there who can come up with better ideas than I, but I think we all need to try some alternatives. 
Here's an example of sharing the Lord's love in a meal during a pandemic. My friend, beautiful, is sequestered alone in her apartment in Georgia right now. And I'm pretty sure she's listening. So hi, beautiful. She is blind and has some other health issues that make it difficult for her to eat things that are hard to chew. Well, in the last week or so, someone has anonymously left her gifts outside her door. Last week was her favorite meal from Zaxby's, complete with her favorite drink and extra sauce, just like she always gets. This week, someone delivered food for her through Instacart, fish sticks, broccoli, and champagne, among other items she loves. Beautiful does not know who has sent her these gifts, but she knows without a doubt that she is loved. And when she eats those gifts, Christ becomes known in the breaking of that bread. We have a lot to learn from our scripture today, even though we can't sit around and talk and laugh over a meal right now. So instead, let us all think like Beautiful's anonymous friend and find ways to bring the joy and love back into our meals. Help someone break bread with you in a new way and let Jesus become known once again. Amen. Amen. We live in a world created by a God who loves us so much, he died for us. You live in a world where your creator died for you and was then resurrected so that you can live for eternity with God regardless of the sins that you may have committed. You are cherished by God in ways you will never fully comprehend, and all Jesus wants is for you to love him back. I invite you to give your life to Christ and to invite him into your heart where that love will grow and flourish now and forever.
Jesus becomes known in the breaking of the bread. I would also like to think that Jesus becomes known in the sharing of gifts. Jesus becomes known in generosity and selflessness and charity. These are the gifts of the Spirit, things that God calls us to do to express our faith, to show our love to God. And so I invite you to give. If you have a home church, please give to them. They need your support. If you are a member of our congregation or if you have been enjoying these podcasts and would like to give to us, to First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama, there are two ways you can do that. The first one is you can mail us a check, make it out to First Christian Church, and you can mail it to 1327 Layton Avenue, L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N Avenue, Anniston, A-N-N-I-S-T-O-N, Alabama, 36207. 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. You can also contribute electronically by going to our website at www.fccanniston.org. That's www.fccanniston.org fccanniston.org. You can scroll down to the bottom of the page and click the Donate Now button. You can only use the PayPal feature as we are having some trouble getting the other feature online. So if you would like to donate with PayPal, please do. Either way, we appreciate your donations. For those of you who have made um, uh, commitments to the church for tithing, please keep up with that. We are uh, still dependent on all of those commitments um, to pay our bills and um, to continue paying um, our, our employees and all of that. So we ask you to please give now. Thank you. God bless. Frederick Beekner, a theologian who wrote Whistling in the Dark, a Doubter's Dictionary, 
wrote a section on communion, which he titles Communion of Saints. And I want to read it to you. He says, At the altar table, the overweight parson is doing something or other with the bread as his assistant stands by with the wine. In the pews, the congregation sits more or less patiently, waiting to get into the act. The church is quiet. Outside, a bird starts singing. It's nothing special, only a handful of notes, angling out in different directions. And then a pause. Then a trill or two. A chirp. It is just warming up for the business of the day, but it is enough. The parson and his assistant and the usual scattering of senior citizens, parents, teenagers are not alone in whatever they think they're doing. Maybe that is what the bird is there to remind them. In this, in its own slapdash way, the bird has a part in it too. Not to mention angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, if the prayer book is to be believed. Maybe we should believe it. Angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, they are all in the act together. It must look a little like a great jeu de son et lumière at Versailles when all the fountains are turned on at once and the night is ablaze with fireworks. It must sound a little like the last movement of Beethoven's choral symphony or the Atlantic in a gale. And all the company of heaven means everybody we ever loved and lost, including the ones we didn't know we loved until we lost them or didn't love at all. It means people we never heard of. It means everybody who ever did or at some unimaginable time in the future ever will come together at something like this table in search of something like what is offered at it. Whatever other reasons we have for coming to such a place, if we come also to give each other our love and to give God our love, then together with Gabriel and Michael and the fat parson and Sebastian pierced with arrows and the old lady whose teeth don't fit and Teresa in her ecstasy, we are the communion of saints. Everyone is welcome to the table. Come and eat. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink of it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. Be present at our table, Lord. Be here and everywhere adored. Thy creatures bless and grant that we may feast in paradise with thee. Amen. I invite you now to eat of the bread, the body of Christ, broken for you. And now drink of the cup, the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Let us sing together our communion hymn, In the Bulb There Is a Flower.
please join me in the litany of remembrance. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ will come again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks Thanks be be to God. For some of us, these are the hardest days we have ever known. We are experiencing grief in ways we could never have imagined because we are not able to grieve with each other for all the things we have lost, including time with our loved ones. But remember that Jesus is made known in the breaking of the bread. So reach out to one another, love one another in Jesus' name, and find new ways to break bread until we are able to meet again. Amen. And now let us sing together the hymn of sending forth, It is well with my soul. 